0: Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank.
1: If you've ever purchased a house, you know the excitement of seeing it for the first time and the anticipation of living in it as well as the new neighbors you might meet and all the dreams that that house holds for you. Now imagine what it'll be like when you first enter and you first see and live forever in the new Jerusalem, our heavenly home where there's no more crying, death, pain, or anything or any one negative and no fake news. Where nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it. And not only that, but God, the father and Jesus, the lamb are dwelling with us in all of their glory. Wow, that's like a dream come true, but it's not a dream. It's actually our reality, our eternity, which we will experience if we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. God gives us a glimpse into this new Jerusalem and eternity in the last two chapters in the Bible, which is where our focus is going to be over the next few weeks. I wonder if that's because he wants to leave us with the last thought of the hope and the eternal home that we have with him. I'm Debbie Blank, looking forward to the old things passing away and God giving us our new home. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors.
0: Moving into a new home in a beautiful new neighborhood is especially exciting when you're leaving a neighborhood that was once lovely, but has since really gone downhill. Moving from chapter 20 in Revelation into chapter 21 this week could be seen as such a move. The beautiful millennial kingdom was a thousand years of veritable utopia, beauty, peace, long life, little sin. An important plus was that the former neighborhood bully was now safely in prison. But at the end of the thousand years, Satan is released and things immediately go downhill. The earth again suffers sin, rebellion, and war, with judgment to follow. Now in chapter 21, it's finally time for an entirely new heaven and an entirely new earth. Something God has long promised now becomes a dazzling reality, and an angel takes John on a grand tour
1: of the new Jerusalem and what will it be like? So many of us have unique questions that really aren't addressed in scripture or are addressed, but you really have to look for them because God does not give us a chapter that says, this is what heaven's going to be like outside of chapters 21 and 22 in Revelation. Instead, he throws throughout the whole Bible, these wonderful little nuggets that give us a glimpse into heaven. My first question when I became a believer in Jesus Christ regarding heaven was, will my dogs be there? Because I love my little animals and they're so special to me. The fact of the matter is there will be animals in heaven. We can read that in Isaiah eleven six, 6, but they won't be the souls of our former pets because pets don't have souls. We as humans are made in the image of God and in his likeness. We will be in heaven because we have souls. Or people will be relegated to eternal hell if they turn away from Jesus. But animals don't have those souls, so they don't have a need to be in heaven. Trust me when I say when we get to heaven, we will not be missing our dogs or cats because we're going to be there with Jesus. That's all we really need to know. We're going to be there with Jesus. And how can heaven be anything but perfect? a wonderful place to be with other people that we will recognize as well as our Savior who saved us. And not only that, but for the first time, we will see God face to face.
0: Well, it's great that you've answered some of the first questions that people do ask. And there are some other ones that are just, you know, immediately something that people want to know. Are we going to be in the same bodies that we're in right now? Or is there going to be an improvement
1: Fortunately, there's going to be an improvement. According to 1 Corinthians 15, which is the resurrection passage in scripture, it details how our bodies are going to be changed. We will have new heavenly eternal bodies. But there's one verse in verse 53 that says, for this perishable, which is our human body right now, must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. That tells us that we're gonna be changed and we're gonna have an immortal body. Now, what does that look like? Is it spirit? Is it something that we're used to seeing in the form of a body? That we don't know, but we do know that God is spirit and that we are like him. So whatever form or shape we're going to take is gonna be like God. And we will be like Jesus, we're told in 1 John 3 two, because that passage says, beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. you recall when Jesus resurrected from the dead, he was in a different body, a different form. He could walk through walls. He actually ate on the Sea of Galilee with his disciples. And there were people that recognized him individually, such as his apostles. And you recall Thomas who was doubtful, but he recognized him in the upper room after the disciples had seen him. Mary recognized him at the garden tomb, though at first thought he was a gardener. The people on the road to Emmaus didn't recognize Jesus at first, but when he started explaining the scriptures to him, then they recognized Jesus. He allowed them to see him as he is. So human people recognized him. Certainly we're going to recognize him when we get to heaven. So then the question is, are we going to recognize each other? Are we going to recognize our spouses and our family? The answer to that is yes. And that's from Luke chapter 16. If you read the story there of Lazarus and the rich man, it talks about Lazarus sitting in Abraham's bosom, leaning up against his chest, but it also talks about the rich man recognizing Abraham. So he knew who he was. And then we have, of course, the Transfiguration, where Peter, James, and John were with Jesus up on Mount Tabor. We believe that's the location. And they recognized Moses and Elijah. I've often wondered, how did they recognize them? Because they never met them. They didn't know what they looked like because they didn't have pictures back then like we do. But somehow their spirit recognized who they were. So we're going to recognize people in heaven and that's going to be great. We're going to have a wonderful hallelujah time with those people that we love and care about. We're going to be surprised at some of the people that are there and we're going to be surprised at some people who aren't there.
0: So it's interesting, and I think makes people feel better that we're going to recognize each other and maybe pick up with the relationships that we've had. Relationship is so important to God, and the relationship between Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit and within us is so important. So that makes me feel better, and it just sounds logical to me. But what about recognizing the place where we will be existing in? There are some things that are Somewhat familiar, perhaps, but there are some things that are brand new. And I think sometimes people think of heaven and having things that we recognize. And some of the things that we recognize aren't going to be there. I'm assuming those things aren't going to be important because they're going to be replaced with things that are far more important and wonderful. So if we start into chapter 21 with the first verse, it does talk about that new heaven. There's a new
1: earth and there's a new Jerusalem. That's going to be so exciting to see, because when the passage reads, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there's no longer any sea, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. New here isn't just, well, I'm going to go out and buy a new dress. You know, I've got 10 other dresses, but I'll buy a new dress that looks similar to that. No, this is the Greek word kainos. And it means qualitatively brand new. Nothing like this has ever been seen before. So God's not just going to destroy the current earth and whip up another earth looks just like it, but maybe with prettier trees or better colors or anything. This is totally new. No one has ever seen the new heaven and the new earth. It says because the first heaven and the first earth passed away. What does that mean? Passed away. How does that look? We see a couple of places in Scripture, once in the Old and once in the New Testament, that tell us that. In Isaiah sixty-five 17, we're told, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind. I think that goes along with what you just said, in that anything that we might think we're going to miss that isn't in the new heavens and the new earth, We're not going to, because they're not even going to come to our minds. It's like we're not going to remember them. Or more appropriately, what's there is so much more splendid than anything we could have imagined here on earth.
0: There are so many ideas of heaven, and there seem to be like phases of heaven that we're seeing throughout Revelation. So people come up into heaven, and there's the throne room. When people die, they go to be with the Lord. Paul wrote about that. There are so many aspects of heaven that I think when we get to the Millennial Kingdom, perhaps that is what people think of as the final heaven, that type of existence. It's something we can really relate to because it's like a renewed earth and everything that we are familiar with but better. But then something happens to that, and the Millennial Kingdom ends up suffering war and suffering Satan's rebellion and that kind of a thing. So is that why there needed to be a new heaven and a new earth? And how long ago was that
1: prophesied? Well, let's consider, first of all, that we who are believers think of heaven in a certain way because of what you've said is in Revelation, other places in scripture. But that's the current heaven right now. The Bible says that there are three heavens. One is our atmosphere. One is our stratosphere. And then one is eternal heaven right now. But this new heaven and new earth are going to be completely different, not like anything that's been described before. And then the question is, why is it necessary? Let me read first, Second Peter chapter 3, verses 10 to 14, along with verse 18, because that's going to tell us that everything we have here is going to be completely destroyed. And there's a reason for that. It says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. I mean, God can do anything he wants, but just the way it's been created indicates that it could burn up. Verse 11 goes on to say, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord? because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. Now that's quite an exhortation right there. But that's so true. If people realize that this earth and heaven are going to be destroyed like this, it might open their eyes to the importance of turning to Jesus now. It goes on in 2 Peter 3.13. But according to his promise, we're looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found in him in peace, spotless and blameless. We're told that all of these things are going to burn up. Why? Because the new heavens and new earth are in a place where righteousness dwells. Let's go back to Genesis chapter six. If we look at the destruction of the world through the flood, we're told there that every intent of man's heart was only evil continually. That's not unusual, because we're born into sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, sin came into this world to each one of us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So it's not surprising that it didn't take long for all of our intents of our hearts to do the wrong thing, to go against God. But it's not just us. It's also the earth. In Genesis 6, Verse 11, it says, Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. You see, God must deal with the violence and the sin and the corruption that's on the earth and in the people before eternity can come. God could never allow his perfect kingdom to come to an existing earth where there's ever been sin or violence. So he must destroy everything Not just as he did in the flood where he destroyed the people and changed the landscape of the world, but he's got to destroy everything in order to have a place that has been and is perfect for him to dwell with us. And you had mentioned a few minutes ago about the relationship with God. You see, everything he's doing with this new heaven and new earth is to be with us to have a relationship with us again, like he had with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Go back and read what it was like in chapters one and two when God created everything and when man lived with him in a perfect environment until sin entered. Well, that's what God wants. He wants that relationship with us. He doesn't need it. He's God. He's got everything. But he chooses to have it. So he has built a home, you might say, for us as a matter of fact, Jesus said he's prepared a place for us that we might be with him forever and have a relationship with him forever, where the whole Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is one, will dwell with us and have a relationship with us. At one point, renovating the old
0: was good enough, but there comes a point in time where we enter into eternity where An old place renovated is not nearly as good as something brand new. So this is going to be brand new, a brand new earth, a brand new heaven. Why a brand new heaven?
1: Because heaven is where God dwells. We don't need the earth like we've had it before. We don't need the sea. It says in verse 1 that there's no longer any sea. The sea takes up three-fourths of our continent right now. Well, we don't need what the sea provides. And we don't need what our atmosphere provides because we're going to be in brand new bodies. So we might not be breathing the air that we're used to because we don't need it. So we need a new environment that will take care of these bodies that are going to last forever. The things that we needed on earth to live, we don't need anymore. God gives us this new heaven and this new earth, but he focuses here on the new Jerusalem. He says in that verse two of Revelation 21, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. This isn't the Jerusalem that's in Israel right now. This is all new and it's called the holy city because that's where God is and that's where God's going to dwell with his people. It says, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. How can a city be a bride? Really, what this is saying is the city represents the bride of Christ. The new Jerusalem is where the bride of Christ will dwell forever. Remember, once we die, we go to be with Jesus in heaven, but that's not the same heaven as eternal heaven. This new Jerusalem is. So you'll notice that the simile there is as a bride adorned for a husband. That's really the beauty of us, God's bride coming to dwell with him. I think more it should be us looking at the beauty of Christ coming to dwell with us rather than him bringing down this city that we're going to be in that he calls the beauty of the bride. But that's how much he loves us and sees us that way. So the new Jerusalem is the place where all people who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ will be forever.
0: And it says it comes down out of heaven so we know it's new. It's not the old Jerusalem that existed before. It's something that God prepared over all this time to come down from heaven for us to dwell in.
1: But not just us. According to Revelation 21, three, it reads, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is among men and he shall dwell among them and they shall be His God and he shall be among them. Wow. God's going to dwell with us. We're told in Exodus 33, 20 and 1 Timothy 6, 16 and so many other passages in scripture that no one can ever see God. And yet here we are dwelling with God, him dwelling among us. When it says the tabernacle of God is among men and he shall dwell among them, tabernacle and dwell are very similar words together because the word tabernacle in John says he will tabernacle or dwell among men relating to Jesus. And now we're going to see God, the Father, tabernacling with us, dwelling with us, means residing with us, occupying the same space as we're in. And we're going to be his people. No one can ever take us away from him from the moment we accept Jesus Christ. When we get to heaven, we're going to see that because he's going to be our guide. He's going to be our leader, our God, and we're going to worship him and we're going to dwell side by side with God. It's only possible because of God's love for us.
0: We know that no human could look at God and survive, but he's made new bodies for us that are completely different. That intimacy that he had with Adam and Eve in the garden um, before sin came along is what I think he's long desired. And just the word tabernacle, as you brought up, that desire for God to dwell with us, to dwell in the tabernacle or in the temple, just in the Holy of Holies in that way, and now to be able to dwell with us fully in the New Jerusalem is really amazing. It's probably one of the major verses that stands out in Revelation 21. But then as we go on, here's a really tender verse, and I think this is quoted oftentimes at funerals, but just to look ahead at verse 4 and this tenderness, this relationship that he's going to have with us. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And I just get this picture of God tenderly wiping tears from our eyes. Tears that are never going to reappear again. What a beautiful verse.
1: When you go back to the Garden of Eden and you look at the temptation and the sin that took place, what did God say would happen? Death. And death is what we mourn over more than anything. It's terrible and it causes us to weep, but God's going to wipe away every tear and no longer death that sin brought into the world because there will be no sin in eternal heaven. And there's no longer going to be any mourning or crying or pain because we're in different bodies so we don't have pain. And there's no reason to mourn or cry because there's no sin. There's no evil. There's nothing wrong. There's only perfection, purity, holiness. Because God is there and we get to experience that. So of course, there's not going to be any of these bad things because it says the first things have passed away. The former things is what they are, have passed away. God is again looking for that perfect environment like he had with man in the Garden of Eden. Now we're reminded as we go and look at Isaiah 25, 8 about the wiping away of every tear. That passage says, God will swallow up death for all time And the Lord will wipe tears away from all faces, and he will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. What's that reproach of his people from all the earth? It's sin. God is going to remove it. No more sin. No more negatives. Only positive. I don't know about you, but I like hanging around with positive people, God honoring people, people who want to be holy and do God's will instead of listening to news that's ugly or being around conversations that are negative and critical and judgmental of other people. We won't have any of that in heaven. And then we can look at 1 Corinthians 15, 54, when it talks about death, that passage says, but when this perishable will put on imperishable and that's our bodies and this mortal will put on immortality, Then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And that's what we have is victory with Jesus. All things are becoming new. God is dwelling with us and we have complete victory.
0: It's really interesting to me that this whole idea, the concept of a new heaven and a new earth, which sometimes is surprising to some of us just from the New Testament, when we realize that it has been prophesied earlier on, and you mentioned Isaiah sixty-five seventeen, and how that's like 700 years before Christ. And yet the scripture does say, For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, which is pretty much how you described the new Jerusalem and the new kingdom. And also Isaiah sixty six twenty two refers to the same thing, I believe, for it says, For just as the new heavens and the new earth, which I make, will endure before me, declares the Lord, so your offspring and your name will endure. And so it's not the first time that we hear about a new heavens and a new earth, but I think people get confused with maybe the
1: millennial kingdom and then the eternal kingdom. I love the way the Bible comes together. Here you have a book 66 different books written by 40 different authors over a period of 1,500 years, and they all match. We can read things in the Old Testament that we read about in the New Testament, and then are explained later at different parts of Scripture, and nothing is contradictory to the other. So we can know unequivocally that there is coming a time when we will have a new earth, a new heavens, and a new Jerusalem, a place where God dwells with his believers forever. Also, I think he read that Second
0: Peter passage about the elements dissolving with heat and so forth. Some people think that's the second coming of Jesus Christ and that things are going to burn up then. But if you read what we just studied in Revelation, that's not the case. But it does happen here right as eternity is being
1: established that's right jackie because in the millennial kingdom the earth will change a bit the mountains will dissolve some of them and some of them islands will flee away but we'll still have the same atmosphere we'll still have the same earth as we know it we have fish and we'll have trees and all those things i'm not sure that we're going to have all of that in heaven though we'll see a better description in revelation 22. So, the millennial kingdom is not eternal heaven. It's heaven on earth, Christ's kingdom, with changes. But still, there will be people in their human bodies. And then you have the eternal heaven, which will only be people with resurrected bodies, and it will be God dwelling with his people. So, it can't be on earth because earth is still corrupt. It has to be a new venue where everything is perfect and holy as God is holy, just like it was at the beginning. In the Garden of Eden, when first God created everything and then he created man before sin came into the world. Well, we have just barely touched the tip of what heaven's going to be like, only four verses today. So next week, we will continue on studying chapter 21 of Revelation so we can focus on eternity. Why is that important? It's important because that's where we're going to spend our eternal life. We get 70, 80 years on this earth if we're fortunate, but eternity's a long time. That's a whole bunch longer than 70 or 80 years. So wouldn't we want to prepare for it? Wouldn't we want to be ready? We have a choice right now of whether we spend eternity with God in this marvelous heaven that we're describing, Or if we spend eternity away from God, in a place where Satan and evil people will be, people who chose to live away from Jesus, I don't want to be there. And I don't want to be there because God's not going to be there. Fortunately, because I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I know for certain that I will be in the eternal heaven. Now that sounds pretty arrogant, but God says we can know that because God tells us what we need to do. In 1 John chapter 5, in verses 11-13, through 13, and the witness is this, that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. This is very simple. We either have Jesus or we don't. And by saying have Jesus, what that means is we recognize him as God as the only one the pure sacrifice the high priest the perfect lamb the passover lamb who died for our sins to make reconciliation with God over sin if we recognize him as God and as our savior of our sins and that he was resurrected from the dead to conquer death so we no longer will die that second death that's having the son and then commit to following him as our lord and savior if we will do that it not only promises then that we will have life, but it goes on in the next verse in First John five thirteen. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. I believe in the name of the Son of God, not just with my head, but I've committed him with my heart. And it says, in order that you may know that you have eternal life. I know I have eternal life. Do you? God tells us how we can do it, and that's by turning to Jesus will you turn to Jesus today before Jesus returns and all the things that we've talked about come upon this earth? You may not have a second chance. Now is the time. Surrender to Jesus and find the abundant life here on earth and eternity with him in heaven.